This podcast contains graphic content and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Katie. And you're listening to Murder, Mayhem, and and Merlot. Merlot. just smiling i don't know (laughs) after an extensive break some of it not by our choice yeah so i'm just going to explain the whirlwind that has been my life for the past month or so um at the beginning of december my family and i went to california because uh we went to disneyland and universal for my son lucas's make-a-wish for those who don't know my son lucas has brain and spinal cancer so we Went there for about a week. We come home and everyone in the house gets the stomach bug. Violently. Violently. We were, (laughs) I was okay. Like I got it. I got like a very like mild case of it, but Mikey and the boys, it was God awful. Lucas had to get, um, fluids at one point. Mason, he threw up seven times. Like it was bad. (laughs) It was so bad. And so, yeah, the stomach bug happened, and then Christmas happened. But then Christmas was postponed because some of our family were sick. Yeah. They had the vid. They had COVID. And then Lucas got his tonsils out right after Christmas. So that happened. And then we tried to have Christmas. And then Lucas had to go back to Memphis, to St. Jude, for tests. and For a and week. For a week, for tests and, and all that. So, it has been one thing after another, after another, with me at least. And so, I, I will say, we, there was an episode that was supposed to come out, uh-huh. right? The week that they were gone. We had a special guest. The episode is still going to come out. Yes. It will just also come out this week. Uh-huh. Um, the reason for that it'll is, probably come out it'll probably come out before this one yes. I think um, the reason for that is because I I can edit our podcast up to a certain point but then like when it gets to adding the music in and all that stuff I'd never done that before so I got a crash course on our last episode before Kayla and Mikey and their kids went on their trip then I recorded an episode with Carly got some of the music in but then forgot how to get the background music to play so I just stopped there and then also there was a 911 call that needed to be put in and I've never done that before <laughs> so I was like well like I tried to get them to help me Mikey was just unwilling um that's a lot <laughs> see she messages me you know like we're sitting on the plane waiting for everyone to get on you know and I'm just looking at my phone and Katie's like I need Mikey to FaceTime me now and we were I was like oh well um that can't happen because we 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 about to I was like, you take can tell off. the pilot to like take a beat. Like just take a <laughs> second. Like <laughs> And then like as soon as we got to California, it was just like we hit the ground running and so everything was just put on hold and so we apologize we've been gone for so long. Um but we are re energized. Yeah, it was a nice it was a nice break. Yeah, it was. We are re energized, we've changed a few things. So yeah. 
And I'm going gonna to start trying some new things. Yes, we are. Um, and when we start doing those, we will keep y'all updated. Yep. Um, but I am going to start us back off here with our first episode since our little hiatus. Hiatus. Thank you. I was trying to think of the word. <laughs> um, and the story I have for you today shocked me. And I'm not easily shocked. You know, when, when someone mentions a gruesome murder to you, especially where a family has been massacred. Who do you envision the killer to be? A masked homicidal maniac who terrorizes in the night? Maybe you envision a home invasion or a robbery that turns violent. The story I have for you today is going to turn all of your preconceived notions on their head. On April 23rd, 2006, in a quiet neighborhood in Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada, the bodies of 42-year-old Mark Richardson and his wife, 48-year-old Deborah, were found in the basement of their home. And then upstairs, tucked in his bed, lay the body of their 8-year-old son, Tyler Richardson. Mark and Deborah had been stabbed to death, while Tyler had been stabbed and his throat had been slit. It was also discovered that Deborah was killed first, being stabbed at least a dozen times, and Mark had fought back with a screwdriver, but to no avail. The bodies were discovered by a young boy who came over to play with Tyler like they did so often. Oh. Yeah. Only to see what he thought was a body through the window. So he like went to the door. No one answered. The car was in the driveway. The blinds were shut. So he went around back and looked in like the basement window where him and Tyler played a lot and saw what he thought were bodies. Oh. He then goes to get his mom, and his mom was like, yeah, okay, you know, of course. you're right, not expecting you're that not at expecting all. not expecting that, yeah. And she walks over with him and sees exactly what, what he, he said. Yeah, what he said, and immediately called the police. Oh, poor baby. Yeah, that's I mean, that'll just mess you up, yeah. Yeah, for real, yeah. I'm just, I mean, it's, it sucks that he had to see that. I'm just glad he didn't see Tyler. Uh, yeah. I, that's why I thought when you said that, I was like, please tell me he doesn't see his friend. Oh yeah. My God. Yeah. Once investigators get inside the house, they realize pretty quickly that they have another huge problem. The Richardson's 12-year-old daughter, Jasmine, was missing. And I'm sure it was, of course, worrisome, but also kind of a relief at the same time because that meant she could still be alive. Yeah, could be alive. Was she able to escape? Was she, you know, coincidentally just not at the house, maybe at a friend's house mm -hmm. when, when the murders took place? Did the killer abduct her? There were many possibilities. Right. So finding the killer and Jasmine became top priority. Police immediately sent out an Amber Alert and tried to piece enough evidence together to not only find her, but to find her alive. However, what was once a possible abduction turned into something police never saw coming. After searching Jasmine's room, it was soon discovered that Jasmine wasn't a victim, and soon she became their number one suspect. And you're probably sitting there thinking, but she's 12 years old. There's That's what I was going to say. You <laughs> just said she's 12? Yeah. There's no way she could take down her entire family, let alone by herself. Police discovered messages between her and her 23-year-old boyfriend, Jeremy Steinke. Pedophile. Yeah. He is a pedo. What's even worse is he proclaimed to be a 300-year-old werewolf. Oh, God. Yes. Doesn't this put you in mind of a case that's 
really in the yes, news right now uh, so because a certain when I, someone was yes, released. I, when I was researching this, I was like, yeah, this sounds a lot like Gypsy Rose, except... You know, we can get into Gypsy Rose at another time. I am of the opinion, you know, she was abused. She definitely wasn't. There's no opinion. She was abused. But I'm of the opinion, like, I'm glad she's out type thing. But we can we can get into Gypsy. But the the werewolf thing. And he said that with Gypsy, her boyfriend at the time, that the whole murder of her mother happened. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, like he said that he had an alter ego. He had multiple personalities. Yeah, he, didn't he Victor. say he was a vampire? He was a vampire named yeah. Victor. Yes, that's yes. what it was. Okay. So, yeah, he proclaimed to be a 300-year-old werewolf. And I see your face, Katie. I had the same expression when He's, I first read that. So, that's, um. I mean, it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he even went so far as to wear a vial of blood around his neck. What in the yeah. machine gun, Kelly, is that... <laughs> <laughs> you know what it also reminded me of a little bit were the was the lily lid murders and the perpetrators in that you know they were teenagers and they oh yeah you know they kind of did the same yeah same stuff but this really does give me like gypsy rose vibes though. it does it it's does very, except except without the you know horrible abuse abuse right yeah right <laughs> but just like the boyfriend and stuff is yeah just... mm-hmm. now reports differ some say the two met online and other reports say that Jasmine and Jeremy met at a punk rock concert in 2006. Whatever the case may be, that concert was a defining moment. From there, the two began to date and talk online. Before meeting Jeremy, Jasmine was described as being a happy and social person. She went to a Catholic school and had her own group of friends. But Jasmine soon became enamored with Jeremy's lifestyle. She started to pull away from her friends and family, spend all of her time in chat rooms. And for those who maybe were, you know, are too young to, to really get this, like Katie. So, to, <laughs> just kidding, kind of. 2006 was like prime early chat room days. Like, I, I can still remember my username for AOL and Yahoo!, that was really big then. I missed AOL. I did use Yahoo, though. I would talk to my god sisters on, like, the Yahoo chat room. Really? Yeah. Yes. I did yeah. do that. But AOL, I missed. My sister, Cindy, and I, like, she loved, she, she's, you know, older than me, but she loved them, too. And so we would, we would just be on the computer for hours just talking to people. Just talking And to I them. remember, like, ASL, age, sex, location, question mark. So, oh. yeah, like... So, yeah, it was, it was a big thing, and it was a big thing for Jasmine. Her parents found themselves having to discipline her more and more. She joined a website called VampireFreaks.com. Go ahead. <laughs> this, is, this is also just that prime time. Yeah, like, it, yeah, just it is. is. Like, and, and, and for a 12-year-old who's trying to find out who she is and find her like niche you know and right. and stuff i mean i'm not gonna say it's abnormal it's not it's, it's, it's not, not it's not it's not but when you are talking to someone older you a know a grown-ass man a grown-ass man and you're 12 years old and you're so impressionable it's just a recipe for disaster mm-hmm. on vampirefreaks.com she put that she was 15 which not much better not but. that's not that's <laughs> not any better really <laughs> Her tagline on her page being, welcome to my tragic end, which is so teenage angst if I've ever heard it. It is. I was like, I would have so put something like that on my MySpace. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. I mean, what? Catch me putting it on my Facebook today. I, I <laughs> used to put the most dramatic stuff on my Instagram oh, yeah. when I was in middle school. And my granny's hairdresser uh-huh. would tell my granny about it and be like, you need to have her parents check on her. There's something wrong with her. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, on MySpace, you know, make it be able to, like, build your own backgrounds. And we were, like, doing codes. We were professional coders. And the playlist. And the playlist <laughs> and, you know, your top A. And, yeah, like, I could have so seen myself, like, putting Welcome to My Tragic End. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at 12 or 13 years old. She also put that some of her likes were dark poetry, which, same. But anyways, criminal psychology, also same. <laughs> but this is where we differ. Blood, quote unquote, kinky shit. <laughs> God. Uh, <laughs> oh no, you are too young. Uh, it's way too young. And human anatomy. It was through multiple online accounts that Jeremy and Jasmine would keep in touch. Jasmine's parents soon found out about her relationship with this much older guy. And were rightfully very concerned and upset. They essentially grounded her and forbade her to ever talking or seeing Jeremy again. As they should. I would have went further than that and had him arrested. Yeah. But that's just me. You know, and I don't know what, like, Canada's law was then or what it, you know, for that. But here in America, you can go to jail. Okay. Um, He said he was 23 or 26? 23. 23. Okay. So he's my age now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like 11 years. I'll tell you what I can't imagine being even remotely attracted to a 12 year old. Well, you're not a pedophile, Katie. Fair point. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think, um, a little, a little phone call to the police, um, was definitely, it um, wouldn't have been an overreaction. It would it wouldn't have been an overreaction at all. <laughs> and this is where things take a turn. Now, I'm totally of the belief that Jasmine was a victim herself. Because she was a child, mm-hmm. and Jeremy was an adult. You won't hear me argue that. He, as misguided and delusional as he was, was still the adult in the situation. Mm-hmm. However, from what I have found in my resource material, the murders were not his idea. Evidence has showed that Jasmine started the conversation about the eventual annihilation of her family. She sent a message to Jeremy that stated, quote, I have this plan. It begins with me killing them and ends with me living with you. End quote. Jeremy was supportive and replied, quote, Well, I love your plan, but we need to get a little more creative with like details and stuff. It's just so casual. You it know? is. Like, I'm like, yeah, it's just, uh, just like a casual conversation about, I'll you know. My thoughts for the end. Okay. Jeremy further incriminated himself by making this post on a blog. Quote, Payment. My lover's rents are totally unfair. They say that they really care. They don't know what is going on. Just assume. As their greed continues to consume, she is slowly going insane. She continues to think that I came into her life to help her out and to stop what they keep trying to shout. It's all total bullshit. Their throats I want to slit. They will regret the shit they have done, especially when I see to it that they are gone. They shall pay for their insolence. Finally, there shall be silence. Their blood shall be payment. He really thought he did something with that. He did. He really thought he did something with that. Yep. He didn't. He didn't. Not at all. He didn't. Jasmine and Jeremy didn't keep quiet about their plans. Jasmine reportedly told her friends about their plans, but 
they didn't take her seriously. Her friends at the Catholic Church? <laughs> I guess. The her, Catholic Church? I don't know if these are like friends that she met online. You know, and like she told people at the Catholic school. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, whoever she told, they they didn't take her seriously, and she they were just like, "You're playing," and she's like, "I'm not." But I'm not. I'm not playing. We're but doing yeah. this. Yeah. And the two reportedly got inspiration for the crimes when they watched the 1994 film Natural Born Killers, and that movie is about a young couple who go on a violent killing spree. Jeremy told his friends that he and his girlfriend should go about their plans in a similar manner, and even without sparing her little brother. So, we have their motive for killing her parents, but why her little brother? According to what Jasmine later stated in court, she killed her little brother because she thought it would have been cruel to leave him without his parents. She was upstairs with Tyler while Jeremy was downstairs murdering their parents. Jasmine then stabbed Tyler as he begged for his life. And Jeremy made his way upstairs and finished the job by slitting his throat. Two hours later, the two had been seen at a nearby restaurant laughing and kissing like nothing had just happened. I I don't even know what to say to that. No. The two were eventually tracked and were caught in Jeremy's truck. Not even like a day later. (laughs) Jasmine went on trial in 2007. She was 13 by this point. She pleaded not guilty. Uh, Yeah. The trial lasted for about a month. For her defense, Jasmine said that the conversations she had with Jeremy were hypothetical and never intended on actually going through with the killing. However, despite this defense, she was found guilty for three counts of first-degree murder. She was given the maximum sentence someone her age could receive, which is based off the age she was when she committed the crime, which Mm -hmm. was 12. She was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Jasmine's sentence included credit for 18 months time served with four years to be sent into a psychiatric facility, which, absolutely. Yeah, she needs that. Yeah. Followed by four and a half years under conditional supervision in the community. At trial, when she was asked why, you know, they murdered her parents and little brother, Jasmine said, I loved him so much, I thought it would bring us closer. Here's the thing. You did that, and he doesn't give a shit about you. Yeah, I mean, so, actually, like, during their time in prison, the two frequently sent letters to one another. Jeremy went so far as to ask Jasmine to marry him, and she accepted. But you know the one thing that wasn't ever in those letters? Guilt or remorse. From either one. From either one. Jasmine Richardson was the youngest person convicted on multiple counts of murder in Canada's history. Yeah. In December 2008, Jasmine Richardson's boyfriend and accomplice, Jeremy, went on trial. His terminally ill mother, Jacqueline May, testified on Jeremy's behalf and had said that he had been bullied, abused, that he cut himself, and was suicidal when he was younger. Okay, but that doesn't just make you a fucking murderer. No. And pedophile. You're right. Yeah. Despite this testimony, Judge Adele Kent sentenced him to three concurrent life sentences in prison. Damn. Yeah. Jasmine went through extensive rehabilitation and treatment after she was sentenced. And after the psychiatric assessments were conducted, she was diagnosed with conduct disorder and oppositional defiant disorder, which, duh. Yeah. Yeah. When she was released in 2016, she was just a year younger than Jeremy was when the crime was committed. Damn. Jeremy remains incarcerated in a Canadian federal facility. The specific location of inmates is considered personal information under Canada's Privacy Act and cannot be disclosed without the inmate's prior consent. Jeremy will be eligible for parole after 25 years. 
So somewhere around the year 2033. Mm-hmm. And he will be like close to 50 years old at that time. Hmm. So yeah, that's that's the Richardson family murders. You know, when I think of family annihilators, I think of Chris Watts. I think of Christian Longo. I think of Chris Coleman. You don't think about a 12-year-old girl. Mm-mm. No. And I think that's what makes this case so shocking. Yeah. So, yeah. <sighs> Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it was, it was shocking. And it just goes to show you that expect the unexpected, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And to watch your kids really closely. Teenagers scared the living, living shit out, out of me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But really, though, like, it always blows my mind. Of all of the people that she could have come in contact with on a chat room, all of the people that she could have spoken to, and she speaks to the guy that is, like, willing to commit murder with her. How do they always find each other? I mean, she found the 300-year-old werewolf. Like, how? (laughs) I just, I don't understand how when, like, the murders, when being a murderer or a serial killer becomes a couple's thing, or a partnership, I don't... How do they always find each other? It blows my mind. I mean, here's the thing. Her being on VampireFreaks.com, the odds were not in her favor. Like, let, like let's be real. So... <laughs> I mean, it would have been normal on a site like that to have someone say they're a vampire or a werewolf or what have right. you. But, yeah. like, they always find each other. The two people in the same room that are willing to commit murder always find each other. Like, how... Do they do, there has to be some kind of science behind this because think back to like any duo like serial killers anything like that mm-hmm. you know the ken and barbie murders yeah out of everybody that they could have ended up marrying they married each other and they're both cool with killing i just don't understand how <laughs> they find each other i don't get it i don't it. know maybe you know maybe jasmine had this thought in her head and she just waited until she knew she found the one that would help her. You know, I don't know. I I, I, want, I want a scientist to look into this. Okay, so any scientists out there? <laughs> I want, like, a team of doctors, neurologists, just everything. Please look into this. I, there <laughs> has to be something behind this yeah. that they just found each other. Yeah. Because I, I can't imagine just walking up to somebody and going, hey, do you want to go get some coffee? And over fucking coffee, I'm like, do you want to kill my parents with me? And they're like, Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> like, I just don't understand how they find each other. <laughs> anyway, that's. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Uh, I don't know. It's like the same thing with, with Gypsy. Yes. You know, she talked to this boy online and he just happened to be cool with it. Yeah. I don't understand how they always find each other, but they do. Yeah. And they and, and it's like the epitome of of someone thinking that love conquers all. I feel like they ain't going to conquer this. No, I, I, I promise feel, you. No. I feel like it's this weird, like, Bonnie and Clyde syndrome that just has yeah. lasted through the years where so, people just want to recreate that. So I wonder if that is a syndrome. I, it should like be. Like the Bonnie and Clyde syndrome. Because this is yeah. often, this is a pattern with yeah. couples that kill. Like, they just think that they're invincible because they love each other. Yeah, and I'm just like there. That is, I in my in my mind, I've always been like, you have Bonnie and Clyde syndrome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's actually like a thing. I don't know. No idea. So, TM, I'm calling that for myself. Okay, <laughs> trademarked. <laughs> TM, at, TM, TM. <laughs> at first, I was like, 
what is who's Tim? But then I realized you said TM. <laughs> Trademark. I'm trademarking it. Caitlin, Brianne, Kelly on January the 21st on a Sunday in 2024 at 4.48 p.m. In Northeast up, Tennessee. In Northeast Tennessee came up with Bonnie and Clyde syndrome because <laughs> these little couples that think they can just go around killing got me fucked up. You know, we're sitting here talking about this and acting like we don't have computers in front of us. I'm going to Google it. <laughs> okay. So, hate to bust your bubble. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's called hybristophilia. Also known as the Bonnie and Clyde syndrome is a form of paraphilia or perversion in t- involving sexual attraction to people who have committed some sort of outrage. The term is usually associated with fans of notorious criminals. So I guess like people who. So that's a different kind of thing. That's different. Yeah. That's like uh, people with like Richard Ramirez that uh, that thought that he was just like super hot. Right. Or like even like trial. Ted Bundy and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like they just. So, yeah, what we're talking about is different, though. Like couples, yeah, who think they can just because they're so in love, they can just kill and they're invincible yeah. and they'll be on the run and nobody will ever catch them. I just want to add they're that wear cool hats, you know, like in <laughs> in Google, the people also ask section. Mm-hmm. There's a question on here that says, "Is it okay to feel bad for serial killers?" <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> situationally, yeah, yeah, it's okay to feel bad for like the trauma they went through if they. We're, you know, yeah, if that and was it's okay thing. to feel bad as a for child. Like, uh, yeah, the child version of, of them. them. Yes, yes, absolutely. But um, after that, no. So yeah, no. <laughs> Once the shit starts, no, no. And on that note, we will see you guys next time. Glad yeah. to be back. Yeah, I think it's obvious that we're excited because we just keep talking about random shit. I know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you'd think Katie and I haven't seen each other or talked to each other. We have. We have plenty, but. We talk every day, but yeah. True. So, all right, guys. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.